Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs. It is March. We are your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackSidewalks.com. Joe McCann, Phil Bush here with you. Sorry for the bit of a delay this week, but had good reasons. We uh, basically wanted to wait for the Big East postseason awards to come out, and now at this point we also know who Marquette's opponent will be in its first round of the Big East tournament. But, Phil, we have a lot to talk about. March is here, and it's getting exciting now. Absolutely. And and just for a moment, if if you're parents and you have kids in your car, in your car Turn the radio down. Just a minute. We'll, we'll be back in five seconds. Turn the radio down starting now. Skip. Fuck them. We champions. <laughs> okay, you can turn the radio I, back I, up. You see Tyler Kolick is now sh- is, is selling uh, sweatshirts yes. uh, with that phrase on him. So yes. good for him. Yes. Good for him. Get- if I were him, I would have somebody outside MSG with those in a box and just see how many he sells. I would love to find out from Tyler how many how much product he has moved in the last two weeks i hope he has moved all the product and i hope <laughs> all the product gets moved because he deserves it uh so yeah we have a lot to touch on um we're gonna get to big east awards in just a second but just to put a bow on the regular season phil i mean what a season it's been there's so much more to go i mean obviously the things that people are going to talk about the most are still to come but let's not let it slide or let it be forgotten that this team won 17 big east games which was far exceeding even the most optimistic expectations, including yours. Correct. Uh, far, far exceeding mine. I, I thought they would be middle of the conference, as did many other people, and many more more thought they would be ninth or worse. Um, what a remarkable season for them to get to 17 wins. They're the only Big East team whose 17 wins have officially stood. I mean, Syracuse got 17 Big East wins a few years ago, but that's been wiped away. By the way, farewell, Jim Beheim. See you never. Um, <laughs> Good riddance to bad rubbish. <laughs> will not miss you. A uh, guy you love to hate. But no, anyway. Um, so we, And obviously in the early days of the Big East, they didn't play nearly as many games, so that's why some of the great Georgetown teams or great Seton Hall or St. John's teams didn't get – obviously they didn't play 20 games back then. Uh, but um, – 17 wins. Uh, like, I think Paint Touches said something. In fact, I'd take me forever to find the tweet. But, like, out of thousands and thousands of simulations of this season before the year, like, none of them had them. None of them even had Marquette getting to 17 wins. So, uh, you know, just before we move on to talk postseason, I want to hammer home one more time. What a remarkable regular season it's been. I mean, they have played. Uh, at this point, 30, uh, 20, 31 games, and honestly, really only one, maybe two true stinkers, honestly. the At Connecticut and maybe the Wisconsin game. Other than that, they have looked great almost every single night. Got the win 25 out of 31 times so far. What a year. Yeah, oh, it's a tremendous year, and and you know I know I know Oso's got the tagline of no finish line, so that's great. That's good for the team, but I mean, I, and it's not resting on the laurels, but like the regular season in of itself is an accomplishment, right? Because to your point, um, you know they didn't lose any, you know, even the Wisconsin game. That's a rivalry game, okay, but they didn't lose any games. They shouldn't have lost or you know what i mean like there was no games where it's like 
you know, even the St. John's game, which we just witnessed, took a ridiculous amount of luck for St. John's for it to be close. Um, it got it got weird late, right? But um, you very know, very weird. But they but they've been winning the games they're supposed to win. They've been winning a couple of games maybe they aren't supposed to win. They've been winning in all sorts of different and unique ways, which is I think. Um, one, what's made this season fun, but two, also fills me with even more hope for the postseason, right? We still we still have that demon out there to slay of, of no, you know, NCAA tournament win in, in 10 years. But, you know, this feels like a team that can go out and accomplish the things it is supposed to accomplish. Yeah, it's you know, really when you break it down, there are 10 other teams in the Big East, and Marquette swept seven of them right? and, and defeated all of them at least once. They, they just lost three road games to three of probably the better teams in, in the league. Uh, it, what a season. And, yeah, I'm with you. It's, it gives me reason for hope. Like, my, my honestly, my only nervousness as we get into March really has nothing to do with Marquette as a team. It's more about the unpredictability of right. March, and that's why everyone loves it. We have seen great teams lose in the first round, first weekend. We we, we talked about how rare the two seeds are, and I remember all the really good two seeds that have lost. Like that Kentucky last year, that was a great team. They were really good. I think I had them in the Final Four, and they lost the first round. Uh, so, like, again, it's just that unpredictability and the madness that happens that gives me nervousness. It's nothing about really the Marquette team that makes me think, I don't know if they have it. I don't know if they can do it. None of that is true for me. Right, right. And 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 I think, you know, I would I would honestly put these starting five up against any starting five in the country, right? Like I would love to see, you know, if there was a way you could do it where your starting five and the other starting five play a 20-minute game or some, you know, or play a game in such a way that there is there are no substitutes or or what have you, because I have the utmost confidence uh, in the starting lineup, and and it's really a question of, you know, can can the team make the right moves in the right lineups in the right combinations, you know, and do we have, you know, whether whether you quantify it or as, as luck or not, you know, do we get the good fortune of, hey, maybe let's not be in a regional where. You know the 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 underdog we're playing has fans you know sixty miles away, which we've seen numerous times uh, in this seating. Or you know, let's not be in a weird place where you know there's no way for Marquette fans to really access it that well, right? When we've been put on the West Coast and and stuff like that, that. shouldn't <clears throat> happen. That shouldn't happen. We'll get to that in a little bit when we talk tournament a little later in the show. But yeah, and you just hope you just don't run into one of these underdog seeds who inexplicably shoot like 70% from the floor, right? Right, like, right. Like just one of these teams that just get incredibly lucky and incredibly hot uh, against you. But I think we're going to talk tournament in a little bit. Before we get to that, uh, we are going to talk about the Big East tournament, but I, I do want to touch on the postseason awards as now those are all official, which one of the reasons we waited until now to record our podcast for the week. Um, first of all, the, the the no surprise, the no doubter was Shaka winning coach of the year in the Big East. Uh it's redundant to say at this point, we've hammered it home a few times previously on this podcast, incredibly well-deserved and may not be the only coach of the year award he gets this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think it, it's, it's patently obvious that he, he was the big East, you know, coach of the year. I mean, that, you know, I mean, there, there wasn't a second choice, 
right? Right. Like there's, you know, you win the league with 17. I don't, I don't care. Take aside the whole ninth place prediction because I, I kind of, yes. I feel like that's like a whole, that's kind of a garbage justification for coach of the year standing, right? Like you're yeah, basically. We touched, yeah, we talked about that before, right? It's not, it shouldn't be the team we were most wrong about in the preseason, but yeah, right. go on. Well, yeah, because it's, it's, you're basically saying, well, we were garbage prognosticators, so we're going to give this person award for like doing better than we possibly than we ignorant people thought they could do right so um you know and and yes this team has outperformed even my lofty expectations so you know what do i know but um that if you just look it on its merits it pretend the preseason was never there this team won you know and we, we already laid it out this team won 17 uh, conference games in a competitive top three conference in the country. Um, yes. N- never got swept by another team. Uh, one, you know, in the, in the non-conference went eight and three, you know, with, you know, Mississippi state and Wisconsin turn out to be quote unquote, not great losses in the long term. but you know, in, in the moment they weren't, they weren't bad losses. So, you know, from a coaching perspective, Plus, you know, this is a we, we always talk about the youth of the roster, but he has taken a a selection of relatively unknown players and turned them into players that are making awards list, including the aforementioned Tyler Kolek. When you look at where Tyler was last year and certainly Tyler put in the work and we'll talk about his his player of the year award. But, you know, Tyler doesn't get to where he is without a coach and staff that develops and grows and believes in him and builds teams around him. And, and you can see kind of that mutual benefit paying off um, to everyone's, you know, enjoyment around a, a, you know, a top 10 Marquette team this season. Yeah. And I think that's the the point you were making there about uh, taking the ninth place prediction out of it was something I really wanted to hammer home and you kind of were touching on it there, but the big reason why Shaka deserves coach of the year in the big East was he took the almost the exact same team he had last year, and he did not add like a huge player in the transfer portal between now and la- since last year to now. He did not add a five-star freshman that shifted everything. He took the same core of guys and made them better. Yep. He he, he helped. He he just he didn't. Uh, yeah, he explored the portal. He looked at some other guys, but he said. You know, especially when some guys started asking for NIL money that he really didn't want to get involved in. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to work with Oso, and, and I'm going to make sure Ben Golden get minutes. We're going to work with Tyler on his shot and because he did everything else well last year. We're going to get these freshmen that we have committed, and we're going to get them in rotations. And we're just going to make sure everyone else steps up to make up for the loss of Justin Lewis, even though I would have loved to have Justin back. By the way, shout out to Justin. Sign with the Bulls. Hope that works out for him. But that's why he deserves coach of the year is you know the whole the team we're most wrong about in the preseason thing is reasons why guys like Shashevsky and Roy Williams and Bill Self and Tom Izzo never win coach of the year because mm-hmm. oh you're supposed to be good and you were good right but part of the being a coach is building that team to get yourself in that position that you are going to be good and that's what Shaka has done so well this year he constructed this roster the only in player he inherited from the previous administration was Oso Everyone else committed to Shaka. Yes, Cam and Stevie technically committed to Wojo, but they also had the option to change that commitment and go somewhere else, like the uh, uh, the big guy who ended up going to Tennessee. But they decided to recommit and commit to Shaka. 
everyone who is on this roster decided to commit to Shaka, and Shaka built this roster into what it is, and he stuck with them between last season and this season and made what he had returning better, and he beat everyone else in the league by at least two games. That is why he is the very well-deserved Big East Coach of the Year and why he, I think he also has a very strong case for National Coach of the Year. In my opinion, maybe the only guys that could take that from him, maybe Painter at Purdue, maybe Sampson at Houston, or Bill Self. I think Bill Self remade his, almost his entire roster. I, I, would, I, I know this is a Marquette podcast, but I would give it to Bill Self, the National Coach of the Year, over Shaka, just, just because yeah. of what, what Kansas is doing is insane. Yeah, I mean they're they're gonna shatter the record for Q1 wins after losing on most of their contributors. But again, we're getting off topic. If Shaka loses to Bill Self, I won't be mad. Is the point? But he got a very well deserved Big East Coach of the Year because of the way he molded this roster and stuck with his guys from what he had a year ago after a disappointing first round showing against North Carolina. And just kind of stuck with him, and and look what we have. Well, and and not only that, but but also improved not not just took the core like you said, um, and and further developed them and turned them into you know juggernauts a, a, a probably a bridge too far, but a, a high quality team. Um, right. But but they avoided pitfalls and perils not only that were experienced last year, but you know it was becoming a time time honored tradition of of certain other regimes you know there was not a february swoon right there was not an inexplicable loss to a a lower opponent we saw it all throughout the big east right even in the high quality teams xavier lost to depaul um you know it, it sounds weird to say creighton lost to villanova villanova is a a bottom half team this, of the big east this year right um you know yukon had a series of up, to, up upsets that were unexpected so so Marquette managed through a very very long season with a young roster that doesn't that has depth but I wouldn't say it has a ton of depth right they, they, mm. the, each player on the on the bench had their moments um but it, it was not a it was not a deep roster where you could just say all right we're going to take the starters out and we're going to put in you know four more guys and and we're not going to miss a beat right so so there was player development you know even look at the in-season development i'm wandering here a bit but like david joplin you know he he got his own award but you know i i know he was getting a little bit of of discontent his way throughout the season and i know i'm also the 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 majority shareholder of of jop wagon stock but his in-season development speaks both to his work ethic and in the players or in the coaching staff's ability to develop him because he was, you know, he, he you know, he was challenged defensively more earlier in the season and has certainly played better and better as the season has gone on on that end, making him more valuable in in, in use, right? And so it's those in, in-season developments that just speak to the quality of the staff that have been able to produce yeah. such a good season. 
Yeah, one more thing on Shaka, then we can move on. But I, I think one more thing that's worth touching on is the way he's been able to maintain focus and goals all season by maybe having like a new theme for each game or something else that he gets excited about. Like we've seen the things on the bench with like the, they had the water pitcher one game. They had like a, a the a domino post. Yeah, the domino thing. Yeah, and the the the, the belts that he gives out the 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 deflections award, the uh, offensive rebounding award, right? Like the EG, uh, domino, EGBs. Yeah. EGBs, yeah. He has all these themes and gimmicks that keeps the guys interested. It's tough to maintain focus for 30-plus games, right? You know, like, I mean, you can maybe get locked in and get focused for one game. Like, maybe that first game when you go to Purdue, yeah, let's like we're fired up for this one. All right, we're ready for this one. But to maintain that focus night in, night out from early November into March, I mean, you're, you're bound to have games where maybe you sleepwalk a little. And, you know, and this team hasn't had too many. Or, like, I think at most you could say they've had two games where they plan to play, like, blah, right? Right. Um, they've, they've been focused all season, and you just hope that keeps going. I think um, the fact that they've gotten some rewards now, they've gotten to lift up, lift up a few trophies, have a few celebrations, maybe that – I think that's good to have some rewards for all the hard work. But also, again, I agree with you. I love the no-finish line thing, and they keep saying it. That's an oh-so thing. And um, I hope that keeps going as we get in the next couple weeks here. So, well-deserved on Shaka. Let's touch on a few more awards, and we'll talk Biggie's tournament. Tyler Kolick, uh in the end, it wasn't much of a surprise. Maybe it would have been a surprise as recently as maybe two or three weeks ago. But he got his Big East Player of the Year award. He's also been getting some love on some All-American teams from a few outlets. Uh, I saw Field of His 68 put him on their first team All-American team. Um, I think a few others. I think The Athletic had them on their second or third team. But the big thing is I want to talk about Big East Player of the Year because well-deserved and I feel like we've been talking about him all year, uh, but just to clarify and just hammer home one reason why, he's the engine that makes this team go. And his improvement in his offensive game, Brian Hamilton had a great article with him in The Athletic on uh, Wednesday, if you haven't seen it, just talking about maybe some of the uh, struggles with confidence he had after last season and how he worked with that in the offseason and how it's... Uh, evolved into what he's been doing now uh the work he put in some incredible work in the offseason to shake what was a disappointing season for him last year and he is like i i thought he would be improved if he could just get that three-point shot going but i never never would have thought he would be t- using the phrases tyler kolick and all american in the same sentence but here we are yeah he's i mean again credit to him in terms of putting in the work, adjusting, adapting. I mean, it is it is a, a psychological challenge, you know, just me watching it. I couldn't imagine, you know, him him having to, to play the season he played last year, hear the um, the comments and the and the commentary around. You know, I, I was getting frustrated by fans sitting around yeah. me in games, let alone not getting that 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 energy directed towards me so for him to then kind of flip that on its head and and it's been a bit of a a slow burn which is i mean tyler has been good all season but what's impressed me the most is he's been ramping up as the season has progressed and again much like this team he does it in all sorts of different ways, right? Like he can play a, a defensive role. He's no slouch there, right? He, I mean, he got a block against what was it, Klingon? Um, yeah. I, I, you know, in the UConn game in Milwaukee, right? So, like, he's not a slouch defensively. And then on the offensive end, obviously, he's kind of known 
as as the you know he's the pass first guy he's the assist guy i mean for god's sakes he got double digit assists the last three games of the regular season that's nuts i don't know that i've ever seen that he's and he's flirted with the school record a couple times right you're right right so he's he's come close to you know to 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 setting multiple records as an assist person but he's also become a scorer he like i would make the argument that if it's a single possession um that that the ball is in Tyler Kolick's hands and I would look for him to score but I wouldn't be mad if he you know made a pass out of it right to to somebody that was open but you know not just because he's good passing the ball but I would put the ball in Tyler Kolick's hands at the end of the game bar none no questions asked he just makes such good decisions with the games on the line because he's so he's so such a much better finisher at the rim than you think he would be at his size because he, he's definitely not the biggest guy out there. I think he's listed at six three. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, he's just he just doesn't look very big out there. So he he you wouldn't think he could finish at the rim the way he does. I think that's where being left-handed comes in handy for him. I think it cuz even if you've watched tape hours and tape hours of tape on a guy and know he's left-handed, that last minute split second decision when a guy goes up, you may forget, "Oh crap, it's his left hand he's going up with," right? And he just gets that shot up and he and he, he gets it in there. Um and I but he's he he does make good decisions. He doesn't force many shots, especially in the paint. If he doesn't have it, he'll kick it out and find one of his teammates. And you know, I feel like even last year we defended him quite a bit on this podcast because we saw the comments that uh, that were referenced in the Brian Hamilton article about you know the three point shooting was really the only thing a lot of people noticed. Like right. that was like the only thing they focused on. It's like, well, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. Get him out of there. He can't shoot. And yeah, he struggled last year, but. I even thought last year he did everything else pretty well. He was a great passer last year. He's a good defender last year. He hustled. But his decision-making has been that much better this year. And the fact that teams now know he can shoot, now that he's shooting almost 40% from three, they have to respect that now. And that just gives him more room to work if he wants to drive to the basket. And uh, his his leadership, decision-making has been exceptional all year. And his confidence has grown and grown. And his confidence is... I don't know if it could be any higher than it is right now because I agree with you. When the game's on the line, I want him to have the ball, not necessarily shoot it, but if he's got a shot, take it. But I, I, I trust him to make a good decision if he's got the ball in his hands with the game on the line late. Yeah, well, and, it, and it's interesting because a, a lot of the commentary too last year not just was around the poor shooting, but then there was also a lot of groaning when he would drive the lane and kick it out and somebody would go, oh, he's, he's right there. Why doesn't he just lay it up? Just lay it up. And it's like, he's doing that this season now. And the thing that boggles my mind about his three-point shooting, shooting this season, so like you said, he's shooting 40%. He, he took... Um, he took 20, wait, I got to do the math here in my head. He, he, he took 32 less threes this season and made two more in total So than he did last season. So he shot like, he shot like a quarter fewer three points shots this season and made on net two more than he did all of last season. And the season's not even done yet. So like, there's an argument, one, that he's been more selective. So he is taking high-quality shots and making those high-quality shots. But there's also an argument to be made. He's not shooting as much as he probably should be, 
right? Like he could be even more of an uh, offensive dynamo within this within this team. And I think that that circles back to both his willingness to be part of the team as well as the shock of culture, right? Like based on the way Tyler is is playing, you could make an argument that his you know his his usage should go significantly higher than it than it is. But he doesn't do that because within yeah. the nucleus of the team, they they just they need that balance. Yeah, high usage on one player is not this team's game. Right, that is just not that is just not what we do. We got used to that for quite a few years there. High usage one player making him carry the offense. That is not what makes this team good. That is not why they are the number four offense in the country according to Ken Palm as far as adjusted offensive efficiency. That's not why they have the third best effective field goal percentage in the country. That's not why they're the number one team in the country in two-point field goal percentage. It's they share the ball. And Tyler Kolick is the reason they share the ball. He sets the tone, and everyone else has kind of followed him. Even when he's out of there, I think some other guys try to play a little more like him, whether it's Cam. Cam has run the point a few times this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Stevie Mitchell or, or Sean Jones. I, I think they all kind of understand this is what makes the offense go. That's why he's the Big East Player of the Year. Uh, I'm going to keep playing this. Maybe I get myself a Big East Player of the Year down the road. But um, So, well-deserved for Tyler. A couple more awards we'll just touch on real quick. You can take it wherever you want from here, Phil. But uh, Oso and Cam Jones, both second team, all Big East, also well-deserved. And your guy, as you mentioned earlier, David Joplin, sixth man of the year in the Big East. I'm not sure that's one we had like, talked about enough or predicted, really. But uh, good to see the Jop wagon get some postseason love. Yeah, I was I was, I was, was pleasantly surprised by that. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't really think about all of the six pe- six men around around the Big East and whether yeah. whether whether how he compared to, to that, but that's that's a good um, that's a good award to win, right? And I and again, I think um, David Joplin has been contributing in in different ways. We we all know he can be a nuclear scorer. I wish he was a little more like steady state as opposed to supernova one game and and ice cold the next, but. But he's been contributing in additional way. His rebounding numbers have gone up throughout the season, or his rebounding rate has gone up throughout the season. His his assists are going up. His defensive stats, you know, so that's that's you know well deserved, and I I think this bodes well, you know, in year three, year four, David Joplin, right? Like eventually he'll find his way into a starting role, and I and I think that development's great. And you know, Omax and Cam getting getting love as well, or excuse me, Oso and Cam getting love um, is great. I was actually a little surprised by Oso just because I feel like, you know, he's the least talked about important player on the roster from a national media perspective. Like I just, I was a little surprised that. Uh, um, but I guess it is voted on by the coaches. But I, yeah, know. and I think that's a big reason why is it, it every coach in the Big East knows who Oso is. Right. They know what a problem he is when, when they go against Marquette. Right. And, and yeah, and, and so that's, you know, we haven't been seeing him in, in kind of media-driven awards, and, and that's and that's fine by me. If, if we can keep Oso under wraps for, selfishly for the next, you know, this season and two more after that, <laughs> I'd be fine with that. I like selfishly. Again, we always talk about that. We're talking about guys going pro. Selfishly, we want him here. Uh, but if if there's something better for him out there at the next right. level then god got you know good luck to him but let's worry about that in the off season as far as off yeah we got we, again, we theoretically have plenty of games left yet to talk about 
Yeah, I I have a lot of uh, 77 golden ales still in my fridge, and I I got one for at least um, 10 more games. Not, I got 10 left, so I got enough for nine more games and a celebratory one. So I'm trying to pace myself. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's just want a game, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be really celebrating. All right, so let's talk Big East tournament. Uh, games are actually over now. With the uh, Villanova Georgetown game, which we could have recorded this before this game, and still predicted the the way that one went. But that one is final now as we're recording this uh, Wednesday night. So the teams that advanced from Wednesday are Villanova. They beat Georgetown, so they'll meet Creighton. Uh, DePaul, in a wild one, knocked off Seton Hall. You hate to see that. Boy. They will take on Xavier uh, on Thursday night. Uh, then UConn and Providence, that one was already set. They both got buys in the 4-5 game. And then Marquette's last game of the regular season will be their first game of the tournament as they get a rematch with St. John's Red Storm. Um, so, Phil, you know, you and I have talked about this on the last pod. You've talked about it a couple times before about how you don't really care for the Big East tournament. You, you want nothing to do with it. You kind of want it over quickly. I'm not that far on it. Like, I think as long as we're here, let's try to win it. I'd love to see Marquette, you know, get some nice wins here, but I understand the sentiment of let's get this, you know, let's get this over with and get to the thing we really want. So I, I've, I've come up with this analogy for the Big East tournament, and I, I think I finally found something that makes sense. Oh, I'm excited. Um, have you I know you have but have you ever been on a long road trip like been the car cross country something like that for several several hours yes like eight plus maybe <laughs> yes across two days yes I, I I took a trip to California that that took me three days okay okay let's imagine that trip that that trip from your you know uh, high school slash college home in Illinois all the way out to California Correct. And you have crossed the California state line. The, the signs for Los Angeles, they're no longer in the hundreds. They're below 50 now. You are so close. And with less than 30 miles to go, you see an exit. Best ice cream in California. Sounds great. And maybe I'll try it another time. It's just not what I want right now. I just want to get to my destination. I've been thinking about this for so long... I just want to get to L.A., get to my hotel, and relax. That is how I feel about the Big East Tournament. I think I would like to win it someday. I think it would be really cool. I just don't want it right now. <laughs> I am thinking so much about the NCAA Tournament. That's what I want. I think that's what a lot of Marquette fans, so many Marquette fans want right now. We want the NCAA Tournament to start this week. That's what we want. But we have to get through this first. Well, that is my I analogy for the Big East Tournament. I think it's a wonderful uh, analogy because you know what I'm worried about? If I pull off the road to get this ice cream, maybe the car doesn't restart. Or maybe I run over a nail because some jerk has left, you know, some wood on the road. And now all of a sudden, I w you know, I'm waiting for someone to fix my tire. And maybe I don't even get to L.A. Right? Like this, the, these are the things that concern me because I can get ice cream anywhere and it's yeah. probably going to be 90% as good as the best <laughs> ice cream in California. Yeah. You might get like, you know, somebody steal all your tires like in uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, right? Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like, what are the, I know the, the Big East, like, of all the conference tournaments, the Big East tournament is the best one. It has yes. the most history. Hands down. It has a great, you know, you know the fans come out because so many fans of the teams there are within driving distance and then there are a few others like us that we have to fly there but there are so many teams that are just a short drive away 
or a train ride array, right? Yeah, like train, mass like transit train is ride, a big right thing. Yeah, for, for some of them, yeah. They, they're just really close. They're just right there. So it's always packed. It's always loud. They've had some epic games, some epic battles between bitter rivals. And it's it's newer now because, you know, like the Marquette Xavier and, and Butler's being in there now, it's, it does maybe doesn't have the historic rivalries of, say, Seton Hall and St. John's and UConn and Georgetown, etc. So... I love the history, and I would love for one day, one day, to see Marquette win the Big East tournament, and maybe that happens this year because I think it, it, it is a cool thing. It would be a, like a cool thing to add to the list of accomplishments of this program. But I just think so. We we have been so starved for an NCAA tournament win for so long. Like that's where my mind is. I'm guessing that's not where the team's mind is because Shaka always talks about, as any coach would, next game, next game. All we're talking, thinking about is the next game. We're going to worry about the next game. And I and I get that. And so they're going to be... The thing is, the, t- the players are not as starved for it as we are because they've only lived through it once, right? They're just maybe thinking about last year and what happened before that doesn't pertain to them, really, because they weren't even here, uh, except for Oso. But the, that... that that's kind of where I am in the Big East tournament, and I I, I know the uh, some of the old school Big East fans troll us and say this is the real title, this is the one that matters. Sorry, I am very happy with my regular season title. Love it. Uh, it's it, it that I don't know if there's any better way to determine a true champion than everyone plays everyone twice, home and away, and see who has the best record. And if there's one team that's two games better than anyone else. To me, that's a true champion. Yeah, I, I can't really uh, hear anyone talking that noise about the, the Big East tournament being the real championship over the sound of me polishing our Big East championship trophy. Um, you know, yeah. That's the thing that bugs me the most. You say it's not a real trophy. Did the league or did the league not hand Marquette a trophy? Well, but <laughs> like, it's not like Marquette. Like, my, Marquette did not have that trophy made themselves. Right. <laughs> that is the Big East trophy. Well, well and here's, here's, the, here's the thing. This is this is a little inside, like, inside research. But, like, UConn, who's at least on Twitter, is the biggest proponent of, oh, look at you with your pretty little trophy. That doesn't count. It's not the Big East tournament. Like, there was, a, there was an athletic article where Dan Hurley talked about how they brought a cardboard cutout of the Big East regular season tournament or the Big East regular season championship trophy around with them to every game and every practice. So if it's not a real thing, why is Dan Hurley carrying a cardboard cutout around of it? Right? Like, at, yeah, you know, so at some point, at some point, hopefully not soon, but at some point, Connecticut is probably going to win a regular season Big East title. So we're just going to tuck that one in the memory bank and just bring that back when we need it to. Right. Right. And, and so, and I, 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 again, I agree with everything you said about the Big East tournament. It's the best one in the country. The venues, the venues, awesome. I would love, I, if if I could afford the time away or, or have the money to spend, would I go this year? Sure, absolutely. I would love to attend uh, the Big East tournament in person. It sounds like it's super fun. It would be great. But I don't care about it this season. I'll care about it in yeah. future seasons. And like. Don't get me wrong. If like we go on a winning streak and we, you know, we win three out, you know, we win three games, like okay, okay, I'm not gonna be mad. I'm not gonna be angry. I'm not gonna be upset if we if we win the Big East tournament. But like I have zero interest in like putting emotional weight into it. It's it's a nice it's a nice little cherry on top of the Sunday to keep the uh, the the uh, the ice cream analogy going going forward. But I'm really excited about the chocolate ice cream underneath. Yeah, 
You know, uh, I actually have a pretty good feeling Marquette will be in the championship on Saturday, and do you know why? Oh, no, I don't. Why? Because, because I'm going to be on a plane at that time. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to miss the game because uh, I'm actually flying to Georgia to celebrate my mother and grandmother's birthday. They're on the same day this coming weekend, so a uh, big birthday for them. Not going to tell you their age because they wouldn't appreciate that, but it's milestone birthdays. So I, uh, I am going to go to Georgia this weekend and celebrate a birthday. But my flight, unfortunately, the flight I had to take corresponds with the Big East final. So for that reason, I am confident Marquette will be in that game, and so I'll just be stressing on the plane some way or another, and I'll have to catch up when I land. But um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, UConn is the favorite as far as the the metrics and the the you know the Vegas predictions and whatever. And I guess if you're picking a team to win it. Connecticut's probably the team most people are picking. Just for the sake of picking what's going to happen this week, Phil, how do you feel about what Marquette's going to do uh, in the Big East tournament this week? I, I think ultimately I think they they beat St. John's and then they lose to UConn. Um, you know, that that it, that's essentially going to be a home game for UConn, and it matters to them. <laughs> Apparently quite a lot. Um, and they're going to have a lot of fans there. Yeah, yeah. So that'll essentially be a road game for Marquette. And not that I think Marquette's not going to care. But again, it, it's going to be, all right, let's 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 see what we can do with this game. And if we can win it, great. If we can't, well, look, we, we're focusing on, you know, Shaka needs to get a, a an NCAA tournament win to get the monkey off his back. Marquette needs one. I think this team is going to be... Like, what do we need to do to get ready and, and be good to go for, you know, March 14th or 15th or whatever the, the dates are? I, uh, again, just because I got this feeling about Saturday, I got a feeling I'm going mi- to be missing a Marquette Big East tournament <laughs> championship final. So uh, I think Marquette is going to make the final. Uh, wow. I, I'm, so I, I'm going to say Creighton beats Marquette in the final. Okay. So okay. That, 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 that's what I'm going to predict. Um, I mean, it would be pretty hysterical if Providence beat UConn, right? It would be amazing. After all the the noise they have talked for weeks, if that's the way their Big East tournament runs. But again, if you you were a a betting man and you were going to place your money on one team to win it, it, um, UConn is is the team everyone is picking. But for that reason, I think UConn's not going to win it. Like, and, that, and that's I, totally fair. Well, and the other thing, the other reason I don't care about the Big Ten or the Big, I certainly don't care about the Big Big Ten tournament. Um, right. You hate to see Wisconsin going out in the opening round and not making the oh, NCAA they play? tournament oh. at all. But you know, darn shame, darn shame that. Um, but the, the point I was, team, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, the the point I was going to make, and and maybe this is a pivot towards you know some of that NCAA um, selection stuff, but you know the the regardless of what Marquette does in the Big East tournament, it's really not going to move the needle in terms of seeding, right? Like I, if, if, if I thought Marquette had a legitimate chance to go all the way up to the two line, um, if they won the Big East tournament, all right, maybe I'd think a little bit differently because being that two seed really makes a difference, but I just don't see a path where the winning the Big East tournament is going to mean enough for them to get moved up to a two seed. Yeah, I think that's a good transition to our our next and essentially final topic is a selection Sunday, which obviously is coming up this weekend right after the Big East tournament. So that ends on Saturday night, and then all the other conference t- remaining conference tournaments end on Sunday. Then of course selection Sunday, it is like uh, Christmas Eve for college basketball fans. So 
if you, you know, I, I'm sure many of you do keep up with bracketology at least a little bit. I don't know how you can be a college basketball fan and not at least check in somewhere a little bit. Maybe most people just check Joe Lunardi because he's the popular one because he's on ESPN. Uh, there are many, many others out there. I mean, honestly, there are probably hundreds out there if you check Bracket Matrix and all the people who do this thing, uh, whether it's, you know, Jerry Palm, um, Mike DeCourcy, whoever you like to check. But we would like to remind you to check CrackSidewalks.com because Alan Bukowski does this um, as a hobby. And he is He doesn't just do it. He's actually grades out for those who grade these things. He grades out very well compared to the names you're familiar with, Lunardi or DeCourcy or Jerry Palm, whoever. He is as good as, if not better, than all of them. His final analysis, like the bracket he mm-hmm. publishes, say, this is my final bracket. Alan is very good at this. Um, and so I'm gonna, I asked him for a few comments that we could use on the pod. I'm gonna, this is uh, reading directly my uh, message from Alan regarding what you were just touching on, Phil, the uh, possibility of moving from a two to a three. This is directly from Alan. He says, I think we're solidly on the three line and likely to stay there. Arizona looks like the most vulnerable two, but their 8-2 and two Q1 record is hard to overcome. And if anyone does move up, meaning over Marquette, it might be Gonzaga, who has a strong metric edge, and their WCC tourney might be fully factored in. So, uh, so that's a th- th- trouble, Phil, when you're saying, well, Marquette should be a two seed. Marquette should be a two seed. They, they could win the Big East Championship. They should be a two. And maybe in some seasons, Marquette's resume would be worthy of a two. But if you're saying Marquette is a two, you have to tell me one of these eight teams ahead of them that they need to jump. If you look on Bracket Matrix as we're recording this, Marquette has the ninth best grade out of all the brackets. The eight teams ahead of them, Alabama, Kansas, Houston, Purdue, UCLA. You're not passing any of them for sure. Right. That relieves Texas, Baylor, Arizona. Marquette has to pass one of them to be a two seed. Who are you knocking down? And Allen says Arizona's the most vulnerable, so maybe if you're looking for someone to root for, maybe root for Arizona to lose their first Pac-12 game, and maybe, 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 if Marquette wins the Big East, there could be a case to slide them in there as a two. But other than that, I would say... Uh, Marquette is solidly a three, almost impossible. Even with a loss to St. John's, uh, they would not fall all the way to a four. Because uh, you know, Allen has touched on this in the past too. There's not a whole lot of movement uh, during the championship right. tournaments. Now, some teams play their way out. Like say, if you're the 12th seed in the Big Ten tournament, you mm. lose to 13th seed in the Big Tournament. You could maybe knock yourself down and knock yourself out. But the idea that a team could build an at-large resume without winning its tournament, that's, I think, the situation North Carolina is in, right? Like, their resume is so tough, is just not very good. There's no way that they could get so many wins to get an at-large without winning, you know, without winning the ACC tournament and clinching. So the idea that you can really play your way up and play your way in or move significantly this week is really not all that true because every, almost everyone is taking a loss this week right. uh, in their conference tournaments. So um, I, I right now I would, if you're a Marquette fan, I would plan on seeing Marquette on that three line somewhere on Selection Sunday. Right. Well, and a couple of points. I mean, one of the, one of the other reasons is the committee just can't, like, factor in all of the conference conference tournament results right like at some point they need to start putting putting names on paper and saying this is what the bracket looks like so you know whether if you know let's say marquette beats st john's and you know and then is then is playing you know yukon or providence you know friday afternoon like maybe the committee's already decided marquette's fate at that point 
Um, you know, so the games, those games may not matter, which is another reason not to care. But the other thing is, is I, I, I know it probably doesn't make sense because again, the difference between a three seed and a two seed historically in terms of performance, I think is important. Um, so, you know, maybe jumping from a three to a two, um, is worth it, but I would rather be a higher, a better, a better, um, level within a seed line then you know i'd rather be the top three than the bottom two if that makes sense right and and again yeah, maybe you, go ahead you, maybe you don't want to be the two seats shipped out west now granted right. ucla just had a big injury but just kind of maybe what you're talking about maybe you don't want to go to las vegas and play ucla right right like and and exactly and so like i think it's more it's more relevant when you're playing like going from a four to a three right like i'd rather be a top four than a than a bottom three uh, simply because the location will matter more than the opponent. But when you start to get to that two seed, that path to the final four gets is much more opponent based and you kind of shrug your shoulders and say, eh, I hope I hope location won't won't burn me at all. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know what, what really what to think. I think a lot of the uh, project projections do have Marquette going to Columbus as far as um their first round pod, their destination. Allen says, this is another from Allen, Columbus is the most likely destination. Slim chance of Des Moines probably would need to get us to uh, the seventh seed overall, so the the third best two to get to Des Moines. Um, and probably maybe an outside shot at uh, at Albany if, if they drop maybe in the three seed line. But he said uh, pretty good shot they're going to be in Columbus, which I think would be the desired destination for many Marquette fans, particularly uh, our guy Andre over at Paint Touches. I know he would be very happy with yeah. uh, Marquette coming to the great state of Ohio. So It's not yeah, that great. It, I've been there. I've lived there. But yeah, anyway. I, I used I used the term great very loosely there. <laughs> right. So um, if you're uh, a, a looking at, say, 14 seeds, maybe possibilities that Marquette could face, say, if they are a three and taking a 14 I'd be nervous about facing Iona just because of Patino, and you know he's a mm-hmm. good postseason coach. If they end up being in the tournament, uh, Lafayette, I think they have punched their ticket. They're around that line. Furman, UC Irvine, Kennesaw State, Colgate, those are teams that are in that 13 to 14 range. So, if you're wondering who they could possibly play, um, that might be uh, some teams uh, to look out for. But as I said earlier, Phil, there's nothing about this Marquette team that makes me think. I don't think this is their year. They're, I just don't know if they have it in them. They're probably not going to go very far. It's its nothing about them. It's just stuff happens in March and just just wild results that we would never expect. Like, you know, not to bring this up again, but it's a perfect example. Shaka's last team in Texas. That was a very good team. They got a three seed, and they played Abilene Christian and just played awful. <laughs> like just, right, right. just, just so terrible. Like maybe one of the worst performances by a top three seed ever. Because Abilene Christian didn't even play well that game and 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 beat them. Um, but Texas just played so poor. But we, there are so many other examples. Again, Kentucky last year. There was a really good Ohio State team that just ran into Max A. Smith, who could not miss. Or Roberts is back in the tournament this year. Um, I don't think they would be an opponent of Marquette though. I think they actually may be looking like a twelve. Um, 
But uh, again, Kentucky and was a Michigan State. That Michigan State team a few years ago that lost to Middle Tennessee State. I think a lot of people had that. I think I had them winning it all, or maybe in the Final Four at least. But yeah, good teams lose in the first round all the time. So that's the only thing that makes me nervous is the general unpredictability of March. As far as this team and what they can do and the way they played all year, I am confident in them that they are going to give us a great effort and, and, and at least one NCAA tournament win. And again. We all want that one. We all want just that one to get that monkey off our back. But once we get past that, I think people start breathing easier. Like, okay, well, that monkey's off our back. What now? Like, how far can this right. thing go? I it, it's truly far, no man. finish line, right? Like, Yeah, like, I, they, like, why not them? Why not now? Like, why can't they go far? Why can't they go to the Final Four? I saw an ESPN article today. They said there are eight teams who can win it all. And they picked Marquette as one. Like, why not? Right. I, well, and that's the that's that's keeping up with the pos- positive vibes, right? Like I I was yeah. I was going to give you a warning. You were you were you were harshing my uh, my mellow there a little bit with with uh, lots of. You're totally right. Lots of things can go wrong that have nothing to do with us. But but like this is a team. And again, we'll we'll see we'll see where selection Sunday is. We'll see what the matchups are. We'll see what the path looks like. But it's it's not like there is a dominant capital D team in college basketball. There's not, it's not like Marquette is heavily dependent on three point shooting or, you know, is a, you know, defensive juggernaut or, you know, or what they, they win, they play in all sorts of different ways. They adjust, they match to, to what they need to, 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 to win. And that matters in, in the tournament, right? Cause you're playing a series of, I've got to scout a team with minimal information, and I gotta, I gotta figure out how to how to play against them. And the the fact that Marquette's offense is pr- predicated on the we just hooping kind of kind of model, yeah. I think I think helps in March. Um, and and again, I this team the the sky is the limit for this team, and it's gonna be it's literally one of those things. People, I, I think. You know, maybe people poo-poo it and say, well, of course you can say that. But, like, you know, if Marquette loses in the opening game, that doesn't mean that this team wasn't capable of a Final Four run, right? Like, like you can't ever prove the negative if something happens in real life. But, like, it's going to be one of those, like, if you simulated it, I bet you Marquette could get to the, to the Final Four, I don't know, 40, 50% of the time. Right, like, yeah, I, I, yeah you simulate enough. There'll probably be a few national championships in there. Sure, yeah. Hey, we'll all be we'll all be running down Wisconsin Ave. Like you heard it yeah. here, folks. Like it's in, absolutely, you know, it's entirely possible. I'm not. It's yeah, it, it, which is crazy to think about, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is crazy to think about because it seems so foreign to all of us because we haven't seen any kind of March success in ten years, right? Right. Um, we had the, those three straight Sweet Sixteens, which were great and spoiled us a little bit, and then ten years of blah. Just right. nothing. And, well, and, and, so, and even but, some of those three, uh, the, some of those Sweet Sixteens were like unexpected, right? Like they. Yeah, I mean, Davidson had us dead to rights. Yes, in that 2013 first round game, and then we got lucky and got hot and win a few rounds. Right, right, yeah. Everyone, everyone forgets that. I mean, it wasn't just that that Vander Blue, you know, scored that 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 game winning bucket on the drive, but like Jamil Wilson had to hit like four threes 
um, when he had been We were shooting. hitting threes the same way St. John's was hitting threes against us yes. last Saturday. Like, just re- remarkable, ridiculous threes that made the game so close at the end. And that can happen sometimes in March. But, uh, but yeah, you know, the uh, the first Sweet 16 run, Marquette was an 11 seed, I believe. Yeah. Uh, like, they beat, they beat a six seed, Xavier, and then beat Syracuse. Um, so, yeah, they... they they weren't favored to do that at all, but then they had a nice run there. But yeah, I think it, it does seem so foreign and so impossible based on recent success. But I would say this though, don't confuse this feels early with they don't deserve it. Right. Because they do deserve it. Like, like there's, there were times where the idea of Gonzaga going deep in March seemed absolutely ridiculous. And then they started doing it all the time. And now it doesn't seem ridiculous. There was the there was a time that Baylor looked like it should you know get the death penalty as a program, and Baylor shouldn't be anywhere near the top of college basketball. Now it's kind of expected. It happens all the time. Uh, they have a national title, so like everything seems impossible until it happens. So yeah, just in, because this may feel ahead of schedule or may feel early or too soon for Marquette basketball to be this good, don't think they don't deserve it, and don't think they can't do it because both are true. Right, right, absolutely, and and that's and again, uh, not to not to be the optimistic one, but that's that's this is the the ride to enjoy, right? Like, do not you know, building back to your um, your really insightful commentary around like don't don't worry about the loss twice, right? Don't worry about it in yeah. fiction, and don't worry about it in real life. All sorts of things can go wrong in the Big East tournament. All sorts of things could go wrong in the NCAA tournament. But the fact that we're we're here in, in year two of Shaka, like let's enjoy whatever basketball we have left because it's it's been glorious, it will be glorious, and I love every moment of it. Yeah, and also like enjoy it now because while we hope next year could be just as good and maybe better, right. and maybe this is the beginning of an incredible run, it might not be. <laughs> you, you like things happen. Uh, we've been surprised before with transfers and going pro or coaching changes or whatever. You never know what could happen in the years to come. Right. Like, yes, by all, by like perfect logic says next year could be just as good and maybe better than this one, but it might not be. So right. let's enjoy this. What we have right now, right now we have a good team. We have a great team that could win, that has a won a regular season big East title that could win a big East tournament title and could go very, very deep in March. So, embrace this let's have a lot of fun with it and i am excited for it i am really fired up and i hope uh those 77 golden ales in my fridge last all the way until april yeah i i would i'm gonna i'll put it this way i hope they're all gone by april <laughs> well i'm trying to do one a game right that's what i'm saying by the by the by mid-april they're all gone there are none left okay yeah by mid-april yes i hope that that is when i there will be a monday in april when i drink too <laughs> yes, we, you will drink two and then a whole bunch. Hey, listen, listen, if we get to that Monday in April and I drink my last 77, whatever energy I have left will consume that entire six pack of blood and honey you gave me. <laughs> uh, well, you might even be in Texas and we can I can get you another six That's or, true. or you know, maybe just a whole case because hey, final force in Houston, y'all. I Oof. can drive that from Dallas. Ooh, ooh boy, ooh boy. Okay, now well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Now let's get ahead of what? ourselves. Yeah, maybe, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> dib, dib, dibs just, on just the spare room. Dibs, dibs. Okay, yeah, you, you got it. You got it. Um, all right. So 
I think we've said our piece on bracketology, on Selection Sunday. We've talked way more about Selection Sunday than we have about the Big East Tournament, which I think is par for where I think Mar- most Marquette fans' heads are at. Right. right. Now. And we're, uh, we're going to spend uh, another you know, 45 minutes on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe we're in the minority. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if we are, though. I, I feel like we have a good idea for the pulse of Marquette basketball fans. Maybe we don't speak for everybody necessarily, but I, I just feel like the number one thing most Marquette fans are starving for is that one tournament win, and then we'll yes. just go from there and see yes. what happens from there. Yep. And if we get some, if we get three wins this week, super duper, awesome, love it, celebrate great. it. We'll troll everybody on Twitter. Great, but, great. Uh, we'll hang yet another banner. <laughs> Darn, another banner. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for this podcast. Again, uh, quick programming note because as I mentioned, I am going to Georgia to celebrate at some birthdays this weekend. Our post-Selection Sunday pod will probably be a little delayed because of that, but we will get it to you as soon as we possibly can. You may have to wait until Tuesday to get it, but rest assured it will be coming. But on that note, hit us up with your thoughts on Twitter. I am Joe McCann 3 Phil is M-O-O-O-F-23, at Crack Sidewalks is a team handle. You can go to CrackSidewalks.com. We post podcasts there. You can leave your comments on CrackSidewalks.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, we may have to squeeze in extra podcasts in March. That's what I'm hoping for, Phil. We need extra podcasts, bonus podcasts, emergency podcasts over the next few weeks to talk about more and more wins. Yeah, we, maybe we have to record like seven or eight of them this month. Who knows? I, I, that's the plan. Let's do that. Let's yeah, do exactly. exactly. That. Oh, also, shouts, shouts to uh, Patty Boyer. I hope your travel's going well. Listen, we are cheap. If you want to tweet at us, we'll call you out on the podcast. <laughs> We, we will. We can be bought. We've made this case many times before. And, like, don't even be bought with money or beer. Like, right. just, like, be super nice. Or, uh, you know, yeah. say you're... Uh, damn us with faint praise. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah, shouts to everyone on Scoop who was saying stuff about us this week. It was all very kind and very nice. We saw that. So, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's... Anything else, Phil, before we get out of here? No. Let's, uh, let's win an exhibition game or two and then get ready for March. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys after Selection Sunday. Good luck to you all. Seashells and balloons.